0: I want to know everything there is to know about you. Now I'm going to introduce me. You must have spotted her by now. She's always there. Don't I deserve love? Somebody has to like me best.
1: Hello and welcome to the Don't Know Her podcast. As always, I am Scott and I am Michael. Oh, how fabulous! Welcome, Michael. Uh, We are here once again to celebrate a star of the big screen who we would just like to see more from, more for, um, because, you know, we have a soft spot. And in this case, (laughs) I think definitely a soft spot. Um, We are choosing uh, this person today because we are spending a few episodes celebrating... Uh, queer stars on screen and this is one that has been on the list for a while Um, maybe for different reasons to others I'm not sure but Michael who are we talking about this time round? We are talking about Lee Pace. Lee Pace, we sure are. Now why do you think Lee Pace has been on our list for a while why does it feel like it's time to talk about Lee?
2: So Lee Pace is someone who I just think is incredibly talented and totally, wildly not been embraced enough by the industry. Um, he, he. you know when you, there's people that you are excited about and you're just like, oh clearly they this trajectory is going to happen. So when I first would have known who he was, I think it actually was The Fall might have been the first thing I watched. Um, and then I remember watching Pushing Daisies, which absolutely, like, I I, I won't apologise. We don't usually talk about TV, but we will stop to talk about Pushing Daisies when we get to it. Like, absolutely, gorgeously romantic, whimsical, touching show. Um, then going and watching show- Soldier's Girl, where he plays a, a trans person in a real-life story of a man who was, a cis man who was murdered because of his relationship with this trans woman, um, and then seeing Miss Pettigrew live for a day with two of my other favourite actors, France McDormand and Amy Adams, and just thinking, like, all of this makes sense for the start of a career that's going to, you know, go ab- above and beyond um, everyone else because he is, like, this light within all of it. Like, he can transform, he can do the rom-com, he can do... You know the serious biopic he can do everything sing even as we will get to in miss pedigree live for day i think it's wild that he is not you know on the top of the list for everybody to hire and um, and that's also to say like i'm absolutely in love with this man for the last 20 years
1: <laughs> well yes i mean he is also a very beautiful man we would be remiss not to mention that and when you talk about someone also aging like fine wine, my heavens, the, <laughs> he he gets better and better.
2: And he also, he gets more and more confident, He seems, yeah. and more sort of relaxed and more... Mm. Where he played, like, in Pushing Daisies or even the for like, uptight people, now he just seems... And even when he's interviewing stuff, like, he's like, you know, you're kind of average um, actor in the way he's talking about... Enthu- like he's enthusiastic, you know, all this. Now he's just very chill and very sort of... As I've discovered himself, clearly done therapy, clearly found like what's <laughs> working for him, and yeah, he's he's just the sort of movie star, for whatever reason, I relate to more than say Leonardo DiCaprio or even a Kate Winslet or whoever, and I'd love to see him tell be able to take more roles, which he clearly are is interested in doing. Like he really has enough talent to burn, so why not let him do whatever the hell he wants to do?
1: Yeah, yeah, he he feels like a movie star that that hasn't had that moment because yeah you're right to say he's like a light within so many of these things he he really shines through whatever it is he's doing it's it's a natural a really natural gift that that star quality that he has so I'm I'm with you absolutely
2: yeah I think um I and I think in a way that it it won't happen on film, it would happen on TV at yeah, some point. I can imagine. Um, I know he's doing foundation and all that right now, but um, I think something will, I think something has to change. Cause yeah. Does not make sense? Or it he's just having to. a great old time. He, he's having such a wonderful life, it sounds like, and us saying all these things, he's still got to work with all these amazing people like Steven Spielberg. Um, yeah, I just think, and he's, he must be getting paychecks from somewhere. <laughs> Do
1: you know? Yeah, sure.
2: Isn't he Sarah Michelle Geller's like, um, Met Gala day from, like, the past? Like, I just think he's always been living a great old time. Oh,
1: well, if that's true, then that sounds like a great Yeah, this old is, time. I think this
2: is back in, like, Buffy the Vampire. It's before the Met Gala was what it is now.
1: Oh, but. gosh, love it. Well, I mean, he's someone I don't know too much about. For me, discovered him in Pushing Daisies mm. um, and have seen him in a few things, but... I'm going to let you take the lead on this one mm. um, and I'm keen to hear more about uh, Mr. Pace.
2: Yeah, and before before we do that, something about him of why, why I'm so delighted we're getting around to him is because, like, movie stars... Uh, he's a movie star in terms of he transforms in roles but they always know that he's there. Even at, like, his most kind of... Biggest jump, which I guess would have been as a, the trans character in Soldier's Girl, there is still like Lee Pace, like that is still Lee Pace you're watching. And I don't think there's another movie star quite like that that I feel like represents me, like his personality or his whatever on screen I feel connected to. And that is why I get frustrated because. I don't, there's not many others. And I even, even in queer people, but you know, when you have, like when people talk about why it's important for queer actors to play queer parts, A, it was about equality. So allow queer people to play all parts if you're going to let heterosexual people do that. But on the flip side, you know, I do think there's a connection that is, I don't feel many times when a straight person plays a gay part. Okay. Do you know? Yeah. And I think he's perfect. So I, I would love to see more of him on stage, on in cinema screens, on small screens, whatever, whatever, whatever he bestows, bestows, bestows himself to us. Yes. Anyway, sorry. But let's go, let's go into the details of Lee Pace, um, who actually is called Lee Grinner Pace, <gasps> which I can, I mean, I loved it, but I would drop that too. And um, he was born in March mm. um, in 1979 in Oklahoma. His mum was a teacher and his dad an engineer. He spent many years um, in his early childhood in Saudi Arabia as his dad worked in the oil business and they travelled around um, before going to Texas. Where, this is a Wikipedia fact which I didn't double-check, but he apparently went to high school with Matt Bomer.
1: Oh, okay. um, But I believe
2: Matt Bomer's slightly younger, so I don't know if they're in the same year. Anyway, um, Lee was a competitive swimmer for years, ah. but due to... <laughs> Which is what if you had a tall son, you totally would do that. I see it. Where you go, or are you just because just he's beautiful and tall. Yeah, tall. And um, but he also would have been like maybe twelve or thirteen at this point. But anyway, <laughs> regardless of that, see he, it now. He, see yeah, it. yeah, exactly. We're not unseeing any of that. And but due to damage in his ear, he had to give that up. And apparently, how he tells it is that he was devastated, and hmm. um, so much so that his mum thought with that dramatic uh, performance, <laughs> you should go and do acting. I'm not joking, this is the Why, story he tells really? anyway. And no! So, he, so yeah, what a wonderful parent to be like, I, I see, see where we can use this energy. Yeah. So he talks about like everything in Texas is competitive and then he gets into competitive um, drama tournaments <laughs> I beg your pardon yeah exactly <laughs> and I try to find more information it sounds like, like they get monologues and things like that and they like are compared okay, which so. sounds like a lot for young children <laughs> yeah. um, anyway he was obviously very good at this he talks about um, doing roles um, including one from The Heiress um, you know the Olivia de Havilland amazing movie um, he played her father <laughs> not even the like young hot man in it that Montgomery Cliff plays in the film um, and also uh, Crazy for You the musical um, where he also tap danced and such. Um he also talks about that time like discovering plays like Angels in America and finding his uh crowd and his voice his like kind of personality. He just sees this as like an amazing time for him and really nourishing. Nice. Um so of course um he decides to go to the acting school I guess in America, Juilliard. Um he talks about um, he did not apply for any other school because that was the school for him.
1: Wow, okay, so <laughs> and he, so he had no was not accepting
2: plan. any other Exactly, okay. and thankfully, of course, he did get in. There, he you know explores and loves Shakespeare, Chekhov, etc. He plays Romeo in Romeo and Juliet, and he plays the titular, Richard II. Um, and it actually made me think a lot about how wonderful he would be at Shakespeare and I would love he's never done it professionally, Shakespeare, and I actually would love to to see him. I'm kinda of sick of Shakespeare in general, but if he did it and we'll come back to this, but there's one part in particular I think he'd be absolutely wonderful.
1: Okay. For. I look forward to it. Um,
2: so after graduating, he starred in several off Broadway plays and is quite quick to get his first major screen role, which is Soldier's Girl, into uh, which is so I can't <laughs> I don't... I, this, I, you know being John Malkovich where your one talks about a lisp? Sometimes like, I don't have a lisp until I start saying words like Soldier's Girl. Here we go. That's nice. Soldier's Girl, which is a TV film, but as it was in like film awards-y things, I'm, I think we're safe to just talk about it this way. And Soldier's Girl is uh, directed by Frank Pearson and is based on a real-life story about a private named Barry Winchell who is murdered in his bed by his bunkmates. In the film, Lee plays Calpurnia Adams, a trans woman that Barry is in love with.
0: You may think that I'm the center of the story, the main character as they say, but I'm not. True, I glitter more than others, and I admit I've always craved the spotlight. I get the attention because I'm flashy, like the gowns I wear. I'm the rhinestones of this story. But the true hero of this story, he was as quiet and as solid as a Chanel suit.
2: Had you seen it before? No, I'd never
1: even heard of it before, actually.
2: That's an interesting one, because when I would have first seen this film, trans stories were not told in a very authentic way, let's say. Like, we didn't have... You know, we're talking... Soldier's Girl predates by quite a lot something like Transparent, which in itself has aged quite a lot now. But I think, weirdly, compared to something like Transparent or Trans America, Soldier's Girl holds up better in many ways. Um... I, th- I think it's it's just a horrific story. It's a horrific story to watch and to think about. The way that it's told is probably as heartfelt and respectful as you could do. Like, um, Lipe's talks about Calpurnia being involved in the production very heavily and being okay. there on set. Um, it's very factual, like, all of this stuff is documented, so, you know, it doesn't stray too far. But it also isn't, like focusing in on the really, like, awful parts of the story. Like, it does focus on, you know, romance and love and struggles of people. And and in a way, it's it's a morality tale. But again, it's not so heavy-handed as it could be. Yeah. And it works because of Lee Pace. Lee Pace is terrific.
1: Yes, he is really terrific here. I think that star quality, considering this is his first is showing through from the off and he's handling this part really tenderly um, and you can feel the care and the love for the character which I think elevates this quite a lot. Um, it, I, I think I agree with what you're saying in terms of uh, the, the story it's presenting and how it presents it probably ages pretty well. The only thing that hasn't aged as well, and this is not a bad thing, this is just how things have moved on, is that there's a lot of exposition in the film discussing sort of terminology around kind of Mm. trans and what it means to be a trans person. And what would you do in this situation as a trans person? Oh, well, me as a... And it feels like that. But that's also Mm. perhaps still a useful thing for people to watch and understand. So it's not a bad thing. I just found it quite heavy-handed and kind of explaining everything in a way that maybe the audience ourselves could have picked up on. Mm. Um, The the photography and stuff, I mean, it's a TV movie, so you can't really kind of slight it too much on that front, but it, it kind of has an amateurish air. Some of the dialogue a little bit clunky, but I... I found it very engaging, and it it did hook me. And I was expecting it because of the nature of the story to be a really hard watch. But let like you say because it focuses on a relationship at the heart, and it and it also handles that very tenderly and sweetly. Mm. It it made it um to be a yeah a good watch. I did enjoy enjoy as much as you could. I enjoyed mm. what you can enjoy in the film. But
2: I think there is a, like in terms of their relationship, and you know you know you know from the off don't you, That what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's good. And do you know what, weirdly, I, well, I agree with what you're saying about the explanation stuff, but then I forgive this more because Calpurnia is talking to a man who is totally like unaware. So I'd, I'd probably give it more forgiveness for that purpose, but I also have seen it social at a time where I would have been learning to... Yes. I would have been... I, I'm trying to think when that would have come no, out. No, it's a yeah. good... It's like 2003,
1: so, yeah, 20 years ago at this point. Yeah, it's. I, I'm actually talking about moments between two trans characters in the film well, friend, and yeah. talking about the trans spectrum and stuff. And, and therefore, I still think that's valuable. It's valuable, mm. but it just felt uh, forced in. Mm. So it felt unnatural. For me, it interrupted the flow of kind of the dialogue and it, it felt a bit kind of... Uh, Lectury, school, teachery, at mm. points. Um, yeah, yeah, and I
2: agree. Twenty-two years is a long time, but yeah, I yeah, and would you recommend it to anyone? I do, I only say that because what rewatching it, was like God. Well, I a can't believe I watched this at the age I was. <laughs> do you know? Like that's we were at that time too. So many queer stories ended with destruction or violence or death. Um, now this is a more sort of kinder if if you can't even say that version of it than some of the others but god what a harsh like i'm so relieved that we have more queer stories with happy endings
1: yeah i would i would recommend it on the basis that i think it handles the central relationship tenderly and as we have this um central cis male character falling for this woman it feels you know, it feels like there's a kind of a question there, but he still goes with his heart, and I respect it for allowing that to happen. And, mm. it, and, it, and you feel that he loves this person and will move past these things. And, you know, meeting the friends and all of this thing and, and kind of involving himself in her life, I, I respect all of that. Um, it's just other things I enjoyed less. So the, the lead, played by Troy Garrity... Always seemed kind of drunk to me in a weird way, but maybe he was meant to be. And what blows my mind, which I don't know. know, is that
2: he is not the strongest point of the film. No, he's not. But also, for whatever reason, he also doesn't derail it. Like, it's not bad mm-hmm. enough to think, but I agree with you. Agree. He's a bit dazed the whole time. He is
1: sort of dazed. But, I mean, he's not going to be the standout because Lee is the standout, and I think... That would happen even if we had a much stronger performer at the heart. Um, sorry, playing the that character, um, because Lee is so magnetic that it would be hard to be the, uh, mm, yeah, the strongest. Yeah, he
2: absolutely transforms into this sort of. It's, and it's not even like um, ultra glamorous sort. Like it's still it's a realistic. I'm assuming. Um, whether it's Calpurnia's realism or not, but someone's realistic of being in a bar in a very kind of low-key life, just living their day-to-day, you know, thing. And yeah, I, I really I really do think the <laughs> Pace is amazing. That's something about rewatching, I was like, whoa, no, this is great. So it's no surprise, like, he's nominated for an um, Independent Spirit Award, Um, which I'm confused how that is happening if he's a TV film, but he's nominated against, like, Bill Murray in Lost in Translation. Wow, Um, okay. And then the Golden Globe Award for a TV movie, and he wins the Gotham Award for Breakout role. So absolutely, like, game-changing, obviously, for him, and what a start. Yeah, agreed. He then goes on to Wonderfalls on TV, which is very notable because it unites him with uh, one of the co-creators, Brian Fuller. Who we'll talk about in a bit. Um, and he also goes um, onto off-Broadway work um, with the plays Small Tragedy, which is by Craig Lucas, who we recently talked about because he was a writer of Longtime Companion. In 2005-2006, we also, on film, get him in Merchant Ivory's The White Countess. Um, very exciting. He absolutely loved that he's been in the Merchant Ivory movie, which any self-respecting gay person would. <laughs> Um, <laughs> Richard Hickok's Truman Capote film, Infamous. Oh, okay. Infamous is a goodie. Yeah. yeah. Robert De Niro's uh, der- directorial... I can't even say the word. the <laughs> Robert De Niro's directed film, The Good Shepherd. And then also Tarzan Singh's The Fall. Ooh. I think out of all of those, The Fall is the most significant film there. Um it is a film which is actually like presented by spike jones and david fincher so it had a lot of support um i again as i mentioned i think this is where i first saw um lee pace i can only think that because i saw it in the cinema and that came before miss Pedigree lives for a day and pushing daisy so i must have seen it first right absolutely you know struck down by this movie i think it's such a treat of so like i love stories of like fantasy and storytelling and all this um but it does follow this actor this kind of a kind of a, a actor back in why is it 1920s where hollywood's starting up and he's injured himself and he's in a hospital having respite and so is a little girl played by the wonderfully cute um katina untaru was your friend a pirate sometimes is that how he hurt his leg?
0: No, he he does tricks for pictures, you know, flickers, mm. moving pictures.
2: i never seen one.
0: No, oh, you're not missing much.
2: And he tells her stories and, and tries to befriend her initially to get medication, like get her to get him medication because he's stuck in the bed so that he can I think commit suicide and but through the storytelling she kind of helps him along his way a little bit too and he helps her um it's I think it's a it's really touching movie but also just a visually stunning treat yeah
1: I've not seen this one which I do regret Tarsem Singh is a very interesting filmmaker we spoke about the mirror, mirror. We spoke about mirror, mirror, but we also spoke about um, the cell. The cell, did we?
2: Who's in the cell? Oh, and uh, Marianne Jean Baptiste, of course.
1: Yes, Marianne Jean Baptiste. So I'm annoyed I didn't get to this one, um, circumstantially, it didn't happen this time, but I do want to watch it because. Whether or not I love Mirror Mirror uh, or The Cell, um, which was perhaps more taken by, he is a fascinating filmmaker and the kind of landscapes he conjures up in his films feels uniquely him, um, but also just so incredibly striking regardless of sort of what else is going on. And I feel like this is... Maybe from from the the bits and pieces I've seen, this feels like it's the most him or the most in line with the, what I'm describing. Or maybe I'm wrong.
2: I don't know. I actually don't know Tarzan's thing. Like, I don't. I don't know if I've ever heard him speak. I what I will say about this compared to those other movies you mentioned is there's this big beating heart at the center of it, which is the, both of the leads in it, but Lee Pace I guess the most, and they cross over into the fantasy and the real life, and it is. Glorious, and I think maybe that's what's. I see, I, I don't mind. I well, when I say I don't mind, I like the cell and I like Mirror Mirror. But I think what the fall has is his heart, and I think the way he uses the locations and the scope and like the imagining of what the world is that Lee pace character is describing is just like honestly what a treat! Like to see that in the cinema and now to watch it again and it to have all this practical effects like, there's not much, or any as far as I can yeah. tell, CGI. And I just think that's wonderful, and I do think again, like you know, if Soldiers Girl showing that you know Lee Pace can do whatever drama, roles, dramatic roles. Mm-hmm. Then we have, um, they're showing he can be an action lead. I, yeah. So I love it, and I highly, I highly
1: recommend it to you, to everybody. Yeah. Yeah, fabulous. I mean, it it looks striking from the the stills alone. Um, which I feel like I saw such a long time ago, so it makes no sense to me that I haven't actually sat down and watched it. Um,
2: I think it also seems like hard work or something you should pay attention to, and actually, it's really simple. It's not like the cell. I okay. think the cell is actually quite complicated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, or at least the setup of it. Yeah. Um, but speaking of of h- him being versatile in his film <laughs> roles, anyway, I don't. Oh my God. <laughs> I don't know anything about it. I haven't done that sort of research. Um, sadly, but if, if he was interested. Um, anyway, in 2007, we get Pushing Daisies, which is Brian Fuller's creation. And this is a TV show, so please allow me to uh, talk about that instead of films. Um, he plays Ned, who is a baker who for some reason, with one touch, he can bring a dead person back to life. But... When he touches them again, they die again. Which is helpful when you're a baker and owning a business because all the rotten fruit and whatever you can just touch and it comes back. But it's not helpful when your sweetheart from your childhood, played by a gloriously um, charismatic Anna Friel, dies. You touch her, but you cannot touch her again. Oh. So, so, uh, this is the story really of the show. As well as that trick is also helpful for the um, the secret agent who <laughs> lives down the road who uses Lee Pace, well, works with Lee Pace to bring back victims so that he can find out who's done the murder or the, whatever it is. So it's kind of like Murder, She Wrote meets kind of like a Baz Luhrmann film in a way. I don't know, like it's a it's a funny one, but also like a Doris Day sort of comic. That's like very old-fashioned. And then you also have Kirsten Chenoweth as... Um, Olive, who works in the diner and is hopelessly devoted to Lee Pace's Um, Ned. And then you have Anna Friel's um, adoptive parents. I think they're her aunts, are they? Uh, This this is going to really annoy me, but Ellen Green, who i absolutely obsessed with from Little Shop of Horrors, and I cannot Susie something, Susie Coots say something, Susie? Anyway, they're they're both absolutely brilliant. Um, They're also, you know, in a on the game because they're like why is this person who's dead alive it is glorious like and he is so charming
1: was this really an act of kindness me here
0: were you really trying to do something good for no other reason than to help me i was being selfish i'd love to tell myself i was being unselfish but i know deep down in my primal sweet spot i was being unselfish for selfish reasons i just thought my world would be a better place if you were in it
1: It's wonderful. It's wonderful. It's a a show I watched with my mum when it was first on TV. And uh, my mum doesn't tend to watch American shows that often, so it was quite unusual. But I think it was airing on, say, BBC Two or something when it first came out. And we just decided to give it a go, and we were both so charmed by it. I would so look forward to watching it each week because it felt... um, like just falling into a, a just a world and, and having mm. such a delicious time with it, so colourful, um just so exciting and fun and he is just so charming and so sweet and the whole thing just is mm. and truly a show that ended before it ought to. I mean, yeah. for me a prime example of the show had more life in it. It it makes it kind of it gives it more cult flair that it, it it was cut short and and adds this sort of excitement and, and desire for more. But I I do think this transcends it and there actually should have been. I think it was cut down before it should
2: it's have been. Well, literally, the story didn't end. Yeah, um, yeah I, I love Pushing Daisies and would have introduced me to Kristen Chenoweth as well, mm-hmm. I believe, So mm-hmm. who is such oh, a yeah, joy. Me too. Um, but... Moving on, um, we'll end that with saying Lee Pace was nominated for Outstanding Lead Actor in a Comedy Series for it. And yeah. So even though it was cancelled and whatever, it was relatively successful, which even makes it wilder. Like yeah, Kristen Chenoweth won an Emmy for it after it was cancelled and has the funniest speech where she's like, what is happening?
1: You like me, but you don't. Yeah, <laughs> I, it's so there must have been something afoot there because it doesn't make sense. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful show, which I highly recommend. Um,
2: so then I guess it's no surprise that he would be cast um, in a, another sort of rom-com and kind of old-fashioned in many ways, Miss Pettigrew Lives for a Day, which happens in 2008, which is the story of Miss Pettigrew, played by Francis McDormand in 1920s, is it London? Actually, no, it's 1940s because... World War II is very important as this air raids. Um, Miss Pettigrew, who is not very good at looking after children, or, you know, she's very a cross nanny, goes to her agency to look for another job. She is penniless and struggling. Um, they tell her to fuck off, basically, and she overhears them talk about somebody um, who uh, appears to be a child or they have that like, childlike nature and need help. So she goes to Delicia's house where she meets... Amy Adams, who has no children, (laughs) has nothing, but needs a personal secretary because, well, whatever the equivalent is back then, Googled, what does a socialite need? So Miss Pettigrew lives this wonderful life with Amy Adams for the day. And uh, Delicia, played by Amy Adams, is this sort of chaotic mess who is absolutely you know, has charm oozing out of her. Like, she <laughs> enters the room. She's getting rid of one man while another man enters. Um, she's wearing, like, this, like, silky robe and she's just getting herself turned on by what she's doing. <laughs> yeah. Then she'll go, I have to go to this fitting. I have to go to this. And it is absolutely... I love this movie so much. Oh. I think it's such an underrated movie. Yeah. And I think because it's so old-fashioned and it doesn't have a... like a marketable place to have someone like Frances McDormand and Amy Adams before Amy Adams was kind of I say this big hate before Enchanted was it I can't remember but certainly around that time but I just don't know how you would sell it
1: I think Um, Enchanted was just before oh amazing
2: but I remember going to the cinema to watch this movie and I was delighted and Lee Pace plays Michael who is her original lover, I guess is how you'd word it. He loved her before she decided she wanted to be rich in this socialite star. And he, his entrance, so like Amy Adams asked Francis McDormand to get rid of him. And um, <laughs> she enters expecting like this really roguish man. And instead she sees this absolutely like brooding puppy dog faced person at the piano saying how much she cares about Delicious. Such
0: a hothead. He takes love so seriously. Is that a problem? Of course it's a problem. Michael Pardew. Uh, pettigrew. Couldn't be a pettigrew. Thats time we had a formal introduction. Uh, certainly a problem when the girl doesn't pitch up for the proposal. Oh, Michael. Not a word from you, thank you. What do you think of this? Private boat on the Thames? Last of the season strawberries? Dom Perignon champagne? Everything, strawberry, sir. And you didn't appear. I was scared. You were scared. How do you think a pianist without two shillings to rub together feels proposing to the most beautiful woman in the world?
2: And, like the audience, Frances McDormand is like that man is special. And you like then she starts unpeeling her layers, and then you have Kieran Hines come into her life in a romantic way. I honestly love this movie. Yeah. So yeah, he's a he's a p- pianist. She's a singer. And the film really is gearing him as like the person you want her to get with, but yeah, what do you think of it? Because you are a huge Frances McDormand fan, and I don't can't think of another kind of rom com esque role she would have done.
1: No, this feels very unique in Frances's filmography. Um, oh, it's it's so sweet to see her doing this sort of old fashioned Hollywoody comedic type thing. We've seen her in sort of very glamorous type roles in some of the stuff she's done with the Coens. This feels like a Francis we know, but a version we haven't seen her do. Accent work aside, which for me sort of takes me out of it, sometimes I still just think it's a treat as well. I think everything about it just kind of sweeps you into this really fun little whirlwind. The film is less than 90 minutes, I believe, And speaking of whirlwind, the beginning of this film, which you've described as well, it really does just suck you in. You see, yeah, Francis' character going through this um, hardship with work and struggling and then finds this thing and gets into it. And then it it is like wonderful farce just rolling and rolling and rolling and rolling. So you just go with it. And it's a delightful little film. Mm. I am also a fan. um, And Lee is delightful. like I feel like I'm just going kind to of keep saying Lee is delightful but he just is.
2: I think one of the most romantic things in any movie is when Amy Adams who is doing her professional job is singing a song but she can't keep going because she's realising she's fucked up and then Lee Pace with a sort of broken-ish voice continues the song
0: Would all this be true If I didn't
2: I was like this is what love is (laughs) like this is this is what you want someone to support you when you're down I uh, yeah but I think it's really lovely then there's violence for absolutely no reason (laughs) (laughs) well when I say violence he just (laughs) kicks not kicks he punches Mark Strong I was just like, why does he have to show his masculinity that way when he's just sung a beautiful song? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> but anyway, we... yeah, Mark Strong's also in this movie and it's also very good.
1: Yeah, the cast is and Shirley, Henderson, Shirley Henderson. And the villain about to but like a
2: delicious like Oh my god. Oh my so god. Great. And she and you can tell her and Karen Hines like, the characters had great sex, which would make sense. Like, you know when you have villains in a story, and you're like, oh, and they're, like, trying to get the man, but you're like, oh, I don't see it. Like, I can see those two. Mm. Um, but I also see Kieran Hines and Frances McDormand, who have lovely chemistry. Why? Yeah. That hasn't been
1: explored. Yeah, that's an interesting one. I almost want to say they have been together again on screen, but <laughs> off the top of my head can't think what it would be so no it probably hasn't well
2: reunite them i'd love to see a rom-com mm. with them too should yeah. play an
1: irish lady this time absolutely they did however reunite kieran heinz and shirley henderson in if the girl from Harry the Potter. north country oh yes yeah. on, on oh, stage of course, yeah. which i
2: worked on and i absolutely love that that is one of the best plays ever i was actually thinking oddly enough they've just uh, they've announced olivia coleman playing the shirley henderson part in the film but francis mcdormand would have been a much better fit
1: interesting I mean For it Henderson, should be Shirley Henderson because her Olivia voice Col- uh, I, I love so Olivia great.
2: Coleman, but I dread that a little bit anyway we move on but maybe not upwards no we do because he <laughs> is in a very tiny part in 2009's A Single Man which is Tom Ford Ford <laughs> my god I, nearly, I could have said anything Tom Ford's uh, first uh, film that he directed and wrote um, he plays an attractive colleague of Colin Firth. I mean, he's attractive in everything, so... Th- sorry, I should just say he's, a, he's just in there. He's just there. They like It's when Colin Firth is like staring at people playing tennis and everything goes to bright colours for a second. Mm-hmm. He's also in the Marmaduke as uh, the main human, but he's not credited in the above the titles. Um, <laughs> oh. Instead, Owen Wilson is because he voiced Marmaduke, but good for him. I hope he got a good paycheck. He's in The Resident, uh, a film I've never heard of with the two-time Oscar winner
1: Hilary Swank.
2: Uh, <laughs> have you seen it?
1: I think I have seen it, but I honestly can't remember it at all. But reading about it, I, it's ringing bells. And there was a while where I feel like I was seeing Hilary in lots of things at the cinema, so there's a good chance.
2: You and no one else, <laughs> sounds like. No, I do. <laughs> Hilary Swank's someone that... I just—it's she, She's just an interesting person to have two Oscars and is clearly talented.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: Like do you remember there's this really great actress round table where they're they're talking about, you know, Amy is it Amy Adams and that Ben no, is it Amy Adams and Nicole Kidman and saying they were circling a project and they mentioned someone and who was like, Oh yeah, I wanna make that <laughs> Whereas Amy Adams and Nicole were like, that was bullshit. Like yeah. we never made that. Uh-huh. Anyway, well read into that as you like, sorry. Um <laughs> In 2012, we have Lincoln, so working with Spielberg, playing a racist. Um, he's also in Twilight 2. I just wrote Twilight 2, but it's Dawn of the the Dead. No, Dawn of the...
1: <laughs> Breaking Dawn.
2: No, is that not Michelle Williams' song?
1: No, no, so Breaking there's the Twilight, Breaking Dawn and Breaking Dawn Part 2 are the, the final...
2: Hmm. Oh, so there's only
1: ever three? There was four films, oh. so there's... No, five films. <laughs> Twilight, New Moon... Eclipse, Breaking Dawn Part 1, Breaking Dawn Part 2. There's five.
2: Well, I've just written Twilight 2, uh, 2012, so and he was in one of those. Um, and I, he seems to have really enjoyed working with Bill Condon because he was a huge fan of Gods and Monsters. Oh,
1: good choice. Good taste. Um,
2: then he was in the Hobbit trilogy playing an elf.
1: Yes. I mean, it felt like it was time to watch the Hobbit trilogy for this because I've protested for so long to not watch the Hobbit trilogy because I found it so egregiously self-indulgent that someone would turn a tiny little novel into three three three-hour films. So I still to this day have not seen any of the Hobbit (laughs) films. I saw
2: the first one in the cinema, but then, (laughs) revealingly, I didn't see any. I haven't seen any (laughs) of it. I mean, I watched clips of him in it for (laughs) this, and he's, you know, he's great casting as an elf.
1: Sure, I mean, most of the time they look pristine and yeah, beautiful. Yeah, he's not,
2: like, it's the least sexy role he has, I would oh. say. Well, it's not my type of person. <laughs> like, kind of, like, all colour washed out of you. Yeah, yeah, okay, fine. And, and then Guardians of the Galaxy in 2014, so getting that Marvel money. Mm-hmm, playing that. someone that's in blue and if he, he's going, not going, he's in the same, like, the bad team. I don't know. I don't know. He's in the bad side.
1: He's in the bad side. Yeah, I remember him being good in it. Actually, having fun. And he's in
2: Captain um,
1: Marvel. And he's in Kevin Phillips, which has nothing to do and with. He's this in thing. Captain Marvel too, yeah. of
2: course. Yes, right. Oh, just first one. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm okay, my dad emerged. Him. It's gonna stop now. How am I gonna win Lee Pace's affection? I know not sort with of joke. that. So Um. So during this time, he's also making his Broadway debut, which happens in 2011 in Larry Kramer's monumental play, The Normal Heart, which is a revival of this play. Um, it's an AIDS play, really powerful. Um, I would love to have seen him on stage doing that. Mm-hmm. And he also is in the Terence McNally play Golden Age in 2012. Um, And I guess to round up this theatre little moment, he also uh, took over the Russell Tovey part when Angels of America transferred from London to Broadway. So the rest of the cast, which included Nathan Lane and Andrew Garfield, etc., etc., he joined as the Mormon closeted homosexual that works with that awful man whose name I've forgotten that Nathan Lane plays. That's awful, I can't remember. But yes. I imagine he'd be good. And I really like... I saw it in London. I really liked Russell Tovey. But I think Lee Pace actually would be a better fit. It,
1: it, yes. It feels to me that it would be... I didn't see it in London. But just thinking of the the miniseries in that role, I can imagine him... Yeah. Slotting well into it, yes, for sure. I can imagine I that would have first seen bit.
2: him do the... Um, the Andrew lead Garfield sort of... Part. Yes. Yeah. But that's a whole different thing, which I'm sure I've gone on about um, with that. Um... Talking about equality and representation. Mm -hmm. Such as that. Um, Okay, so more recently in film, he can be seen in the Book of Henry from 2017, Driven in 2018, Captain Marvel, as we talked about in 2019, as well as on TV for Halt and Catch Fire from 2014 to 2017, and Foundation, which is ongoing. Um, But I think, I don't know what you would say, but those... That stretch of film work is disappointing considering how he started his career. And all the talent he has. I don't know how someone who's been able to show so much is not getting more parts in large projects. Like Why, why is he not in a Wes Anderson film, for instance?
1: Wow, that's a very. That, I like it's that a random thing. I just rewatched. No, 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 no I mean, but I that think. that makes sense. Um, well, I guess when you've got Marvel and all of those big blockbustery stuff there and all the Hobbit films, I suppose they are ginormous projects. But yes, it doesn't feel fitting of his talent. And I would love to see him getting, you know, meteor more exciting work rather than than these, albeit I'm sure, fun roles. Um, and uh, I'm sure lots of money for him which is great uh, living his best life but yeah i would love to be seeing him take on more challenging work like we were seeing when he was starting out
2: yeah for sure i mean there is one more film we'll get to talk about um where i think people are clearly latching on to what he's capable of with an interesting part um. but I totally agree and I do I still we'll get to it at the very end because I do believe there is more I think he becomes a sort of supporting part that's doing interesting things um. because he clearly is someone who's very aware of the world that he's working in when we talk about even going back as far as Soldier's Girl he talks about the importance of having Calpurnia there so that he's not just doing what he thinks is a trans character or trans performance. like He is aware that e- even when people weren't talking about trans rights as openly as they are now, um, that that is important to do. So I do think like he's someone you'd want to have on board in your, in your movie. Why he's not in the Barbie film, I don't know, because he's like the perfect Ken.
1: Oh, he would be a perfect Ken. Or I mean, there's many cans in exactly. the Barbie movie, so definitely. Why and I is feel like the there? thing
2: about the Barbie film would be like there is like no perfect, like everybody's perfect.
1: Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I don't know. We
2: haven't seen it. Um, and <laughs> anyway, but the last film we are w- going to talk about is Bodies, 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 which is an A24 film, which uh, me and a friend, um, Susie, are Lee Pace uh, fan girls and. Flocked to the cinema to watch this film. Have you seen it?
1: Yes, yes. I think it's a it's a fun one.
2: And um, I don't. I might be getting the surname of this director wrong, but it's directed by Halina Rain Regine. Um, wonderful name. Yeah, Apologies I would say Halina.
1: I would assume Rain.
2: Rain. That would be much nicer and easier to say than what <laughs> I tried. Um, and it centres around a group of female friends who are uniting for a hurricane party.
1: Wish I was there. No, actually, I
2: don't. (laughs) Or not. So it's a dark comedy, social satire, horror, thriller film. Yeah. Um, You know, bodies, bodies, bodies could refer to Lee Pace exposing his body quite a lot in the movie in a very wonderful way. (laughs) Or it could involve the dead bodies that happen nice across the film. Um, yeah, I really like it. So yeah, it follows these people. Lee Pace is the much older boyfriend of one of the women. And I guess really importantly, Pete Davidson is also there. And he is jealous and of Lee Pace. There's like a friction between them in loads of different ways.
0: What the fuck does that even mean, Greg?
2: What's up? Best defenses. Good offense, what, what does that, what does that mean?
0: Oh, you, you know, best defense is a good offense. <laughs> well, what, what does it mean, though? Uh, well, it, um, it means that the best defense is a good offense. Right, right, I heard you, but, but what does it mean to you, Greg? Like, I don't know, could you
2: elaborate on it for us? Break it down. Yeah, sure. And you, what do you think of Buddies, Buddies, Buddies?
1: I think it's a very enjoyable time. Um, I'd heard a lot of enthusiasm about it, kind of trying to sort of uh, catch up on films at the end of last year, say, because uh, i missed it at the cinema. So I was delighted when I found it on streaming. As soon as it was there, I'm pretty sure I watched it. And yeah, just even that premise, hurricane party, um, this uh, young lesbian couple kind of finding themselves at this party, you can sense that we have one person who is friends with this group and then we have that outsider played by, gosh, what's her name again?
2: Oh, sorry, um, you were talking about Maria Bakalova from, yes, from Borat
1: Maria Bakalova from Borat kind of not knowing what she's getting herself into and you sort of feel that foreboding that's a hurricane party so sure there is a kind of nature of that foreboding that finds its way in and then you meet these people and they have a strange dynamic from the off even if it's sort of kind of playful, Gen Z type um, social media centric friendship dynamic But it's also very frictious. So you are wondering, where is this going to go? Lee Pace is very, very fun to watch in this because it's very different from anything I have seen him in before. Sort of really making it work as the older person, but with that sort of... I don't know, is it creepy? Finding his way in the lives of a much younger circle... Hipster-esque sensibilities, and this dynamic continues to confuse. And then they find themselves indoors and playing some um, peculiar games, which leads to some very unfortunate circumstances. Um,
2: yeah, let's let they're they're so they so. It, this is the thing about it. And rewatching, I didn't mind really watching in full, but we're watching parts of it for this. It's so. It's kind of so absurd, but then it's also really realistic. Like, it's a really well-judged thing in terms of, like, how, in a way, delicate certain friendship groups can be. And then how wild certain things can become. Like, uh, this isn't spoiling it, because there's, ver- there's a sword which is introduced when um, pace comes out to, like, open a bottle of champagne or Prosecco or whatever it is. And then Andy, oh my god, Andy said Pete Davidson. Oh my god, why confuse Andy Sandberg <laughs> and Pete Davidson? <laughs> confusing me. Stop. Uh, Pete Davidson is thinking, oh, I'm a hot whatever with this gu- uh, gun. With this, <laughs> I can't even speak. <laughs> but he's thinking he's uh, this hot sort of person, the same as he paced when he's playing around with it. And basically, they should have left the sword inside. Yes. And it's it's really I, I see. I don't know if like it all is very satisfying, but I certainly. Lee Pace's part in particular I do because he's very cool and collected until people start getting concerned about his presence in the group. And his reaction to the group um, doing that is fascinating. That is the most fascinating scene because this man, who seems like the chillest, most calm person in the room, suddenly is behaving in a way that we would definitely say is toxic masculinity. Yeah. But he's also in a space where if he didn't do that... He, he 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 may be one of the bodies
1: yeah it's um i think the most interesting thing about the film for me because i think i agree with you i don't know if it is wholly satisfying even though i had a lot of fun watching it but it is kind of satirizing this sort of the i guess it is kind of a Gen Z sensibility but this generational sensibility um and how they approach their friendship and and what their dynamic looks like and being very conscious and hyper conscious of certain things in their lives and making sure they're always sitting on the correct side of what is correct mm. and it's 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 satirizing and playing with that but also that is what makes it realistic because it is it is playing into how people may be if they were to be these people in this situation. So it is. It's a fascinating one. It's one where it's like I think this film knows its audience and maybe it plays better to a younger audience than it than it even does for us. But I, I still enjoyed watching it and, and found many bits of it very very funny, um, but and and surprising as well.
2: Yeah, I think that's it. Like it's, and this is what I think A Twenty Four do amazingly well when they do, when they do make a movie. When they make even TV shows would be freezing me. I think it is a fresh sort of take on loads of sort of genres that we might have seen before. Yeah, but it doesn't feel like anything you've seen before. But then it's also just entertaining. I yeah. think it's just a brilliant. I do think like it's brilliant for that A Twenty Four, and I'm really. Glad bodies, bodies, bodies exist, and I'm really glad because I feel like it introduced Lee Pace to a whole world of the new people.
1: That's true, very true. And what a thing to be excited about!
2: Yeah, and it, I do find it weird that I, when I look at you know his career coming up, there isn't anything looming. Okay, well, sorry, he has Foundation coming out, the new series, or maybe it's already come out on Apple TV. I've never seen the first one, he's very excited about it. But yeah, I' have high hopes what of his filmography would you of what you've seen recommend most
1: um of what I've seen because I've seen too few of them um,
2: and you can include Lincoln and like any we haven't talked about
1: yeah, well, I mean I, yeah, I love Lincoln I think Lincoln's a brilliant film. I would recommend that, but I'm going to lean into another one we sort of skipped over, which is Infamous. Now, Infamous came out of the same year as Capote, and both of them tell pretty much exactly the same story. It is the story of Truman Capote as he is um, talking to these um, murderers um, in preparation for writing his novel In Cold Blood. And the relationship that develops between Truman Capote and um, the lead murder in this situation, how that develops, and what the outcome is. And Now, the this the story arc is almost exactly the same in both, so it is interesting that they came out within the same year as well. I believe. Mm. I love Capote. I think um, Philip Seymour Hoffman is brilliant. I think Catherine Keener is brilliant. I really like that film. I probably prefer it. However, Infamous is lighter in many ways Um, Toby Jones is wonderful as Capote and probably more interesting to see him in that role Um, How's Sandra Bullock? Sandra Bullock's also really Mm -hmm. really terrific in it It's, it's actually the one of them I saw first I believe and I really think it's interesting to look at these two films side by side because they are so similar and they came out at the same time yet tonally they feel different and they offer different things and I really love what, what Toby Jones is doing in there but Lee Pace I don't remember as much in it but I'm confident that that he will have also been working terrifically there so I can't recommend it for him but I would <laughs> recommend that film for sure but I, yeah I, I'm a big fan of Lincoln when it first came out especially I was all about it
2: yeah, I really like Lincoln as well. Um, I think I would say, and it wouldn't come as a uh, surprise to anyone that's listened to this, Miss Pettigrew Lives for a day. I think it's such a joy. It's yeah. Been so many times, I'd happily watch it again and again.
1: Yeah, and I will second that too. And what
2: would you love to see Lee Pace do in future?
1: So initially, I just wanted to kind of go down the who's a queer filmmaker I'd like to see him work with who can bring out... Something fresh and exciting, contemporary, perhaps that I haven't seen from him. I want to see him in something romantic, in the gay sense, I think. But so maybe I. It can <laughs>
2: <laughs> with me and my boyfriend uh, and his husband. <laughs>
1: your boyfriend and your boyfriend's husband. Wow. Well, <laughs> yeah. The dynamics of Michael. Grammar wasn't my strong point. And interestingly, the first name that came to my head is not one that's come before, even though there's lots of filmmakers we've spoken about before. But, and this is a tricky one because I'm not sure within there how I'd like to see him sit, but uh, Xavier Dolan's filmography is a very interesting one for me. There's ones in there I love. There's ones in there I think less of. Um, But I find him to be a fascinating filmmaker, especially his first few films which were truly unique to me in that I'd never mm. seen someone explore relationships and, and character dynamics in that way. I'm a massive fan of Mommy. Tom at the farm is kind of seared into my head forever as well. I would like to see him in something peculiar in the way that they are with the heart of something like Mommy, which has so much heart. Matthias and Maxime, which came out a few years ago, I love and I just think it's really beautiful as well. That's more of a kind of romantic film, more than we've perhaps seen from him before. But then as I kind of got thinking of this, like, yes, I would like to see that. Maybe Xavier Dolan does a romance. Maybe it has a kind of harder edge. But then Luca Guadagnino's a bigger splash came into my head. Mm. And I just was like, oh, that world. I would love to see him in that sun-soaked, mysterious world that he creates in that film, which I think is a really terrific film. So if you could kind of combine those two and the energies that we get from those filmmakers, but I, I do think I want it to be a Romantic film, mm. and then I just need to think of who the coolie is. Oh, wow! And um, uh, see, now I'm
2: set by Bigger Splash, so I'm like, uh, who would be like to Till This Swinton to him? Or but um, I think there's plenty of people in. Ho- I mean, it, if they're similar age, you could go with his old schoolmate Matt Bomer, mm-hmm. who is a very lovely screen presence. Um, Although weirdly seems much younger, I maybe he, he's a bit like a Barbie doll.
1: Yeah, I think it is. He's got a Ken doll face, but I don't actually think he probably is that much younger. Richard Armitage, if they're still talking. Ah, interesting. Yeah, if that if that's still a possibility, that could be that could be intriguing. Russell Tovey. It depends what the sto- the type. Jonathan None of these Broth. are singing to me. None of these are singing I, to uh, me. Do you know? I
2: think my my thing about all of that, and we're gonna come into a similar thing when I talk about mine is that Lee Pace would take all of like the attention yeah. in, in a way that he just can't help. Maybe that's why he's not a lead and why people don't want him in their movies, because he's going to take away all the spotlight.
1: Well, maybe I just need to... Go, okay, if we look at a bigger splash, it's not a gay actor, but if we look at like Matthias arts Oh, but so, talk about uh, yeah. yeah. If, then... I couldn't cope. So <laughs> yeah. then, great! I want it to be something mind. that I couldn't cope with. So
2: there we go. If you just get Oscar Isaac and Pe- Pedro Pascal, Pedro Pascal oh, and okay. Lee Pace. Okay. So my um, my suggestion is I don't know. You've prob- I don't know if we ever talked about this, but the Gilded Age, that pretty awful Julian <laughs> Fellowes thing, which I do watch. Um, <laughs> yes. But there's a gay storyline in it, and I was I would love. Todd Haynes, to direct and write and whatever, create a story of the turn of the century New York, so like late 19th century, where people who underneath the surface of what society will allow, there is two men that have fallen in love and somehow make it work.
1: That sounds fabulous. Inspired a
2: little bit by Maurice, or Morris, and the Ian Forster Mm -hmm, book, which mm -hmm. was a terrific James Ivory movie. Really good yeah. I think that would be wonderful. Yeah. I i That's mean, Lee Pace would me. clearly fit into that ro- world. And again, I, I don't know who I would cast in that. And actually, let's stick with the Gilded Age, the Julian Fellows silly thing, and take Morgan Spector out of it, who may be better known to some people as Mr. Rebecca Hall. Lucky him. Uh, yeah. Abs- lucky us, an absolutely gorgeous man. But then we'd have to make it very much about Lee Pace's character. But I would love, love, love that. And I, I know Carol is a happy-ish story, queer story, but I wanted to be happier than that. Like I wanted, like I think one of the beautiful things about Morris is it's so unashamedly happy, do you know? Towards the end, like it has a happy ending. Mm. Uh, not for all the queer characters, but no. for the ones we care about. Um, oh sorry oh, the, the two main ones oh, I'm so sorry <laughs> that makes me feel so guilty for the gay man that gets married to the woman anyway watch Morris is the end of the story and yeah I would love I and I think you know we're having this campy new film from Todd Haynes to Julianne Moore and <gasps> Natalie Portman yes but I would love him to go and make this sort of sincere period drama yeah. with style and passion under the surface Yeah,
1: I mean I don't know why Todd Haynes didn't come into my head because th- that to me actually does just feel like a match made in heaven I could see Lee Pace in any of the films that he's probably made so far whatever, whether oh, it be yeah. like Velvet Gold yeah. or Far From Heaven or Carol or whatever it might be so yes
2: because the other filmmaker I was thinking was Francis Lee um, who's also oh, I love Ammonite and sure. God's Own Country and mm-hmm. making that Movie where Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott have sex soon. Um, I don't know what it has a name. Oh my! I'm getting so confused. I'm being my, I'm being homophobic. That actually is made by the guy who did Weekend and Forty Five Years. Andrew. Andrew Hay. I'm so sorry. Wow. Two British men that I've confused. Um, oh. Anyway, he could work with any of those people and I'd be absolutely delighted and he would also... Yeah, you've named
1: like lots of good <laughs> filmmakers actually he could work with and it made also, me
2: is, of, like the, I also was going down like Dee Reid, Gre- Greta Gerwig, Marielle Heller, like all these people that I think would be terrific. And
1: Emerald Fennell's new film um, which has that, there's, she's working is that on a that the sexy queer one film, with Barry Keoghan and Cuellen. the guy from Euphoria? Yes, exactly. So the sexy one. I, this, this episode has been... loads. Oh gosh, are just... So <laughs> Lee Payson working with all of these people. Please. As well as Scorsese. Yes. And I knows, yeah, and back to Spielberg, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, West Side Story 2.
2: He'd actually be perfect as um, Captain Haddock. No, I'm joking. If they ever went back to do Tintin. Okay, now I'm getting desperate. Okay, well, you know what? Thank you so much for indulging me finally to talk about Lee Pace.
1: A pleasure, truly.
2: And where can people find us if they want to... Tell me to stop lusting over men I'll never have a chance with.
1: No, I mean maybe they too are horny for Lee. And if you are, let us know. You can get us on Instagram and Twitter at don't know her underscore pod, or if you want to really tell us uh, why you love Lee, you could email us at don't know her pod at gmail dot com. Yeah, and on social media, please leave the
2: hashtag horny for Lee. Yeah, <laughs> let's make it a thing. Let's, let's make it this. happen. Um, he already knows. He has that sort of energy as well. Like, I know you're horny for me. Yeah, so. he fucking does know
1: it. <laughs> Jesus Christ. There's pictures of him in a boat. My God. Excuse me? Yeah. <laughs> oh, no yeah. wonder you're
2: thinking of a little splash. Um,
1: <laughs> little splash. <sweat>. In your window
2: and. <laughs> oh Big, my God. The biggest I think that splash. might be the funniest joke I ever told. And I'm so glad it's been recorded. And at least someone out there will laugh at me with that really good joke okay so a little a bigger splash even a little splash oh my god that was actually nastier than I meant I I thought I was getting the title of the film oh I'm a nasty man yeah so a big splash um, I meant to say Um, oh yeah please do rate review us Um, yeah we love that because it helps people find us and share our love for Lee Pace or other actors Who are underappreciated
1: Yeah Send them our way And We shall Be horny for them too (laughs) Oh my god Well
2: um, (laughs) Our next uh, Episode Is going to be Featuring someone Very exciting And different We're going to be looking At a director
1: (gasps) A first
2: We are groundbreaking In what we do
1: (laughs) (laughs) We've been told Many times (laughs) By each other Yeah.
2: And yes, I hope you all have a wonderful day. Thank you for listening. And thank you, Scott, for joining me as always.
1: Oh, a pleasure as always, indeed. Have a lovely day. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.